Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Always that. <laughs> my name is Pastor Gabe, and alongside my lovely bride Lauren, we serve as the lead pastors. Baby, stand up and show everybody that pretty red skirt thing you have on. That's my bride, and um, we are so honored to be y'all's pastors. And I just can I just tell y'all, church, before I even get into this message, just how much God loves you. You are His beloved. As I look across this room, I really, it's just amazing to see stories of lives changed and things God has done. And I know some of you, I know this is not even the message, but let me just share this with you. I know some of you are facing hard times right now, but I can tell you, even as I look across this room, I see the faithfulness of God. So stay with it because he's faithful and he will be faithful. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise this morning. couple quick reminders before we get in. First, let me say uh, welcome to all of our guests. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for being with us this morning. Church, let's show our love to our guests that are with us. And a few quick reminders. We will have a Christmas Eve. One of my favorite services of the year is our candlelight Christmas Eve communion service. So it'll be Saturday night, 5 p.m. here at the Broussard campus. We have some surprises in store for you as well. Um, but we will have that service. That will be a one-hour family service, meaning that your kids and family, everybody's together. Um, and then on Christmas Day, we will also have a 1 10 a.m. service. 1 10 a.m. service at the Bruce R. Campus on Christmas Day. Pastor, why are you having church on Christmas? Because it's his birthday. That's why. It's his birthday. So, that's also going to be a one-hour family service together. I won't be long-winded on that day, and I promise. And so we'll have you in and out in one hour. But let's take that time to honor God on the day that we celebrate him entering into our world. It's also a great opportunity, as you just saw Pastor Jacob mention, to invite someone to church. We live in, we live in a country, in an area where we have a lot of CEO Christians, meaning Christmas and Easter only. That's the only time they'll come to church. And so invite people to come to celebrate Jesus' birthday with you, right? This, this is one of the only birthday parties that you don't have to ask permission to bring someone who doesn't belong there there. Because <laughs> they all belong. Anyway, let's pray and get into God's word. Father, we love you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Great, 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 great is your faithfulness. We love you and adore you. And I pray that as I just endeavor to share your word, the stories of your word, I pray that they bring life to people today, bring hope to people today, bring encouragement to people today, stir your people today. And so help me to be faithful to the text but I also ask, Holy Spirit, as I always do in this moment, that you glorify Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, my Lord and my God, in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Cody. 
So we are continuing in our series right now called Christmas at OSC. Pastor Paul and Neil began it a couple weeks ago. How many of y'all enjoy that message from Pastor Paul? He's a great man. And he was here in the first service along with Pastor Randy Dugas was with us this morning as well. And so just I love that we have fathers of the faith, fathers of the faith here with much to share with us, many life experiences and things to encourage us with. So I'm going to continue in this series. So one of the things that we've been looking at is just the promises of God and how God fulfills the promises that he makes. If I told you if that could be a theme on this series, it would simply be this. Promise made, promise kept. Promise made, promise kept. Now, the thing about Christmas is that Christmas is not just the time of gifts and family and friends and gatherings. It's the time where we remember Jesus came to the earth. It's the time God, we remember God became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what this whole season is all about. And so, but it's not just the time to remember that. It's the time to reflect on all of the promises that were fulfilled when that happened. There was much, there, were, there was much to celebrate in the moment when Jesus came to the point where the angels filled the sky singing praises of God because of this moment. We live in what year? What year do we live in? It wasn't a trick question. <laughs> Don't just, you can trust me. Some of you are like, I'm still living in 2020. I don't know if I can trust anybody. Right. What year are we living in? 2022, right? It's 2022 A.D. And as I told you last week, A.D. stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord or in the year of the Lord. And so we live in the year of our Lord, 2022. Long before this day and time, were the BC days, which stands for before Christ. And all of the time before Christ, there were people longing to see the AD days that we live in. People longing to see the day of the Lord, the year of the Lord. There were people who prayed and hoped to one day have the opportunity to even see the Messiah, the rescuer of Israel, the rescuer of the world. And they would long for it. Many would prophesy about it. Many would, God would give them glimmers of it and they would share that with, with the people around them because they were so excited about this Messiah, this promised king, this suffering servant, this gentle lamb that would one day come and rescue his people. So we live in that day. We get to see it. We, get, we live in such a time where, honestly, we sing songs about it and we treat it as if it's common. But it is not common. We live in the day that thousands and thousands of people longed to see. It's kind of like when you get saved. Now, I was thinking about this doing worship. We get saved and we're so blown away. How many of you remember when you were first born again and felt like, Every prayer you prayed was just instantly answered. Like parking spots at Walmart just opened up. 
right? Like you would go into your mailbox and it was just like a check all the time. Like, God, how is this happening? Right? It was so new and so fresh and so vibrant and you were so grateful. Then as the years go by, you begin to treat which, what those things still happen, but you start to treat them as common and they're not common. The day and time that we live in is not common. Relatively speaking, yes, because we're all in it. But for many, many thousands of years, people long to see the day that we live in. We live in the year of our Lord. So I want to talk about that this morning. I want to continue in that. Last week, we we looked at how the angel appeared to Zechariah, and he picked up right where God left off speaking 400 years prior through the prophet Malachi. God had made a promise to the people of Israel. He gave them a warning and he made a promise. And he told them that one day he was going to send Elijah who would come with power. And this Elijah would would renew, he would cause the hearts of the sons to go back to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to go back to the sons before the, the day of the Lord would come. And so this was what he had promised. And this is what happened when John the Baptist was prophesied to this man named Zachariah in the temple. Now, again, I'm giving you just a little bit of background before I dive back into this to catch you up in case you missed last week. Zachariah, a priest chosen to go to the temple only two times a year for a week because there were so many priests who had to rotate through the temple. And he's there. He's an older man. He has no children. His wife has has been unable to have kids. And now he's just simply there doing his duty when all of a sudden an angel shows up. And this angel prophesies to him that he would have a son. And he said his son would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, fulfilling that promise that God made 400 years ago. I want to pick up the rest of that story because last week we looked at how amazing it was But I want you to see something this week, a little bit different. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 1. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Very important. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks, spiked eggnog included. (laughs) It's not legal just because it's eggnog. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. The title of my message this morning is, Do You Hear What I Hear? Do you hear what I hear? Because this morning we're going to look at two people on different ends of the spectrum of life, who heard similar promises from the same person and had completely different reactions. Completely different reactions. I want you to look around the room for a minute. Look around the room. Come on, even the people who are looking at me saying, I'm not looking around the room. I want you to look around the room. Some of y'all like, like, okay. 
Every single person that you see, I want to let you in on a secret. They're hearing the same message you are. Week in and week out, they hear the same messages, the same promises, the same words from God. And every single one of us reacts to them in our own way. We respond to those words differently. And you're going to see this morning a very clear picture in the Bible of two people who are hearing similar promises, very similar promises, with totally different reactions, even though the language is similar. So the angel told him, he said, John would bring you great joy. This is good news. This angel is bringing a great promise to this man named Zechariah. And he told them that this is so cool. He said, Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. Now, Zechariah was an old man at this point, and they had no children. But he had been praying for a son. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the angel told us. And he knew, he knew Zechariah had been asking God for a son. Here's the problem. Zechariah had probably given up on that prayer. Zechariah had experienced enough life that caused him to think, well, I guess this just isn't going to happen. I guess God didn't hear my prayer. And he's moved on to the point that when he's faced with the answer to that prayer, he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe that God is actually giving him what he asked for. Why? Because he was focusing on his inability instead of focusing on God's ability. And this angel has this moment with him. And he's probably thinking, this has been so long. It's been so long since I prayed that prayer. I forgot I even prayed that prayer. Can I encourage you with something? You may forget your prayers, but God doesn't. God has not forgotten the prayers that you prayed when you were on your knees as a 10-year-old. They're still before heaven. And I've lived long enough in the kingdom of God to see prayers that I prayed that I forgot about. God come back 20 years later and answer. I've seen it happen. I've prayed for it in my own life, only from the comeback. And honestly, I'm surprised where I shouldn't have been. But that's the faithfulness of our God. And this all sounds amazing, but I want you to see Zachariah's response. Verse 18, Zachariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. If you notice, he was, he was a wise man. He said, I'm old. My wife is well along in years. She trained him well. But his response to this incredible promise is this. How can this happen? How will this, how, how can this happen? How can this take place? To me, this is paramount to, or disconnected to, imagine if you were bought your kid or someone you love, you save money, you worked hard, you buy them this incredibly expensive gift that you cannot wait for them to have, and you did all of this stuff to be able to give it to them, and you finally give it to them, and their response to you is, well, how much did this cost? Or even a step further, did you steal this? 
I, I like giving gifts. I, I love giving gifts. And, and I can just tell you, there are times whenever you give a gift, and I, I know, I'm, and I'm looking for the expression. I'm like, are they going to like it? Are they going to love it? And when they get it, they're like, uh, uh. Do you know how much uh costs me? And I love the angel's response. I'll tell you why I love the angel's response, because he's not responding to me. I want you to see what he says. Something we can learn from verse 19. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I, great name, by the way. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe, very important, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak. Until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now, this Gabriel is the same angel Gabriel who showed up to Daniel probably around 500 years before this moment happened. The angel Gabriel showed up and and was talking to Daniel and showing Daniel about this moment, the moment of the day of the Lord when the Lord would come. And he gave Daniel incredible insight. It's almost as if God had chosen Daniel. This might have been the case, I mean, it might have been the case that God chose Gabriel to basically, you're in charge of, you're my spokesperson for making sure that they are ready for me to send my son. So he's giving promises 500 years prior. Now he's coming to the father of John the Baptist, and he's also going to come to the next person in our story. And he had this job, and he comes with this incredible news and his news is met with his gift is met with well how's that gonna happen he basically says if you want a sign here's your sign you're not going to be able to talk you're because of your unbelief i came with good news but because you did not believe the good news i have bad news for you You won't be able to say a word until this is fulfilled. How many miracles have we missed out on in our life because we thought it was too good to be true? How many of God's promises and God's faithfulness to us have we questioned and we doubted because we just thought, how can that be? That just seems too good to be true. Can I tell you? It is too good to be true, but it is true. It is true. Wait a minute, Pastor. Are you saying God can, God can forgive all of my sins? That seems too good to be true, but it is true. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter what you've done and how bad your sin was. From the little, littlest sin to the greatest sin, they can all be washed in the blood of Jesus. They can all be washed. That is the good news to us. That you can have a fresh start, a brand new beginning. There can be a line of demarcation in your life, a BC, AD moment where the page turns and now you are living in Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. That is the good news. And it may seem like this is too good to be true. And some of you cognitively, you believe it. But if you're being honest, you're still holding on to your guilt. You're still holding on to your shame. 
Still holding on to the things that you've done. I did this. What about that? Can God really forgive me? Can God really make good on this promise? God doesn't lie. And he always makes good on his promises. And his promise to you is if you confess your faults, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all sin and unrighteousness. That's the goodness of our God. And I want you to see this man, Zachariah, this religious priest, is listening to the answer of his prayers and still has unbelief because it felt like it was too good to be true. And I believe this is a picture, not only of Zachariah, but of all of God's chosen people at that time. Because as a people, many would believe, but more would not. Those who saw Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, do these incredible works in front of them, yet they hardened their hearts and chose not to believe. I believe he's a picture of much more than just himself. But David Gusick says this, his unbelief, speaking of Zechariah, his unbelief did not make God take his promise back. All of the promises of God are yes and Amen. It just kept Zacharias from enjoying it. He wasn't able to fully enjoy the faithfulness of God. Some of us are not enjoying the promises of God because we're too busy doubting them or simply not believing them. And for those of you who you, you're lacking peace, God promises you peace. I don't know if I believe that. Okay. God promises you joy. That's not my personality. Okay, then be miserable. God's promises are yes and amen, and you can have them. But you have to believe. You have to believe them. Zacharias had great news shared with him that he was now unable to share. And if you remember, as we're going to read here in a moment, the people were gathered there to hear from him because when the priest would go into the temple and make the sacrifice, he would come out and the people out in front of the temple, the people would be gathered and he would give them the Aaron blessing, the blessing of Aaron, excuse me. You guys, many of you know that we've, we've quoted a similar thing over you. May the Lord bless you. May he watch, may he keep you. May make his face to shine on you. They were ready to receive that blessing. And he had that blessing and much more to share. But because of his unbelief, he was unable to share it. This is what the rest of the story says. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zacharias' week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Let me stop there for a moment because Zechariah, an important man, in the most important place 
in the earth, in Israel, in the most important city, in Jerusalem, at the most important location in the city, the temple. And he is right at the heart of it. Yet he doesn't believe God. That angel shows up there and then that angel leaves and he goes to a a province called Galilee. And Galilee was one of the three provinces of Israel. And Galilee was not known for the most educated people in the world. Galileans had a thick accent to the point where if they were traveling around Israel, other places, people would know they were a Galilean simply by their accent. They were real Cajuns. Like real, real Cajun. Pastor Randy was here and I picked on Potage because he's from Potage. He said, that's my people. But that's, that's pretty much what it was like. You're a Galilean. They weren't looked at for being very important people. And not only did this angel come to Galilee, but he came to this very unimportant city called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was, a, as I just mentioned, an unimportant city as well, to the point where when one of Jesus' followers, a man named Nathaniel, heard that where Jesus was from, he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, is there anything good that, wait, the son of, the Messiah, the son of God is going to come from where? Jesus, when he would travel, he was called many different things, right? Son of man, son of God, Lord, Christ, Messiah. Some scholars believe that when people would call him Jesus of Nazareth, they were really throwing shade on Jesus. It was a slight dishonor and a slight disrespect to him when they said Jesus of the Nazarene. They're basically connecting him to insignificance. Like you're Jesus, yes, but you're from Nazareth, man. I mean, come on. So this is where this angel shows up. And not only does he show up in an unimportant province, but he shows up in an unimportant city. And then he shows up to a teenage virgin girl. That's who he comes to. And he begins to give her this incredible promise. Verse 27. He showed up to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. I love this. Once again, Gabriel comes with great, incredible news, an incredible promise. And he says, your favorite woman, the Lord is with you. Now, let me just say this as well. She was around the age, between the age of 13 and 17, most scholars believe. She was a teenage girl, but she was getting ready to change the world forever. I want every teenager and young person in this place to look at me and to hear me good. Do not let anyone look down on you because of your youth. You're not waiting to fulfill the plan of God for your life. You are fulfilling the plan of God for your life. You don't have to wait till one day do great things for God. Begin now. 
the thing that you have to have in order to fulfill this, Pastor, how do I do this? How do I, how do I change the world? How do, I, how do I do these things? Believe. Just believe. Believe he can, believe he wants to, and believe he wants to through you. If, that's, if you hold on to that promise, it's for you. I want you to see her humble response. Verse 29, the angel shows up and it's like, hey, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Verse 29, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. She's like, me? Like maybe you're in Nazareth. I don't know if you know that. It's not a whole lot of important people here in Nazareth, favored people. The Lord is with you. She hears this and she's thinking to herself, are you sure? Can I just tell you, when the good news comes to you, it does not make sense. It does not make sense to us when the good news comes to us that God favors us and God is with us and God chooses us. Instant thought is to think, me? Really? Verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will have, well, excuse me, will never end. This is incredible news. You are chosen to bring hope to the world, Mary. You are chosen to bring forth he who has been prophesied and what the people have been longing and waiting for. It's all getting ready to come through you. And she's hearing this. And something else before I go back, and I want you to know this. I love what it says at the end. His kingdom will never end. Church, can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what the government does. It doesn't matter what the nation does. Depending on your political party, it doesn't matter what the other side does. And it doesn't matter what the devil does. In the end, the church wins. You win. The kingdom wins. It doesn't mean we won't have hard times. It doesn't mean we won't face hardships. But if we believe him, if we hold on to him, and if we trust him through it all, we win. His kingdom will never end. I'm afraid they're going to stamp out Christianity. They can't. Nothing they could ever do, ever do, and I say that with all confidence, not with any pride or arrogance. I say it because of his word. Nothing could be done that will stop the church. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know what that means? It means the church is not on the defense with the gate. It means we are pressing in. They're putting up the gate and the gate cannot stop us. That's what that means. The church wins. Verse 34, Mary asked the angel a very similar sounding question to what Zechariah asked. But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. 
she asked this question. And again, very similar to what Zechariah asked. But she asked it innocently. There's a difference, and this is important for you to know, because God knows our heart. God knows when you're asking him a question and when you're questioning him. There is a difference. She's asking the question. Zechariah was questioning God. And Zechariah had all the reason to believe. He's the priest. He's in the temple. He prayed for those things to happen. And he's getting the fulfillment of the prayer that he asked for. And he doesn't believe. Mary never asked for this. Mary never saw herself in the position to have these things. Yet, her question was a question of belief. But she didn't understand how it would happen. How do I know? The Bible continues to tell us. Verse 35, the angel replied. Listen to how he, re- he responds to Mary. He didn't respond to her with just favoritism. He responded because God knows the heart. Listen, we can all sit in the pew and say amen to the same message, and one of you believe it and one of you not. You can hear the same promise of the good news, every one of us, and all respond with a clap, and one of us believes it and the other one doesn't, and God knows the difference because he knows the heart. Verse 35, the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived the son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. The word of God will never fail. The angel begins to tell her the seemingly impossible will happen. And he says, he will be called the son of God. You, a virgin woman, are going to give birth to God. Wow. The weight of those words. Let me just give you some encouragement. Words from God, if you've received the prophetic word of prophecy, you've read the text of Scripture and found the promises of God, or you've read it and it's jumped off the page to you, can I just tell you this? Those things are there to sustain you in hard times. Because you will go through things in this life that will cause you to question the things that he said. But it's in those moments you have to choose to believe. I believe what his word says. I'm holding on to the promises that he made me. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I'm going to believe him. And his word will carry you through it if you believe him. Verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. This Messiah that had been promised to you, that your people have been praying for, you've been crying out from generation to generation for, it's coming, Mary, and it's coming through you. Blessed are you among women. Can I tell you this? I'm not Catholic, as you know. Some of you saw the name of our church, our Savior's church, and you were very surprised when you walked through the doors. But I'm not Catholic, meaning I don't believe in the deity of Mary. 
And I don't believe that we're supposed to pray to Mary. I don't find that anywhere in the Bible. But with that said, there's never been a more blessed or more honored woman in all of human history than Mary, the mother of Jesus, ever. Favored, blessed, blessed are you among women. That's who she was. And you want to know one of the incredible things about her? She believed. She believed. God chose her. God favored her. But she believed that promise. When Zechariah responded as an important man with a title, he responded with doubt. This lowly teenage girl in an obscure city, in an unimportant province, in a remote place of the world, responded this way. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. She believed. Her response was, I belong to God. Whatever you say, Lord, that's what I want. Whatever you say, that's what I'll believe. G. Campbell Morgan said it like this. He said, her reception of that announcement was in faith and submission to the divine will. She believed. But here's my question for you. Will you believe? Will you believe? I want you to hear the rest of the story. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth at the sound of Mary's greeting. Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That moment fulfilled the promise that, Zachar- that the angels Gabriel made to Zechariah, that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. In that moment, it happened. Verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God will bless you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, The baby in my womb jumped for joy. Let me pause there for a moment. And this is, I want to bring out a point for you. This isn't exactly what the scripture is saying, but I want to make a point. Get around people who make your baby jump. Get around people who, when they speak words of life, the purpose of God inside of you gets excited and leaps. Get around people who, when you hear how they talk about God, when you hear how they talk about God's faithfulness, when, they, when, they, when you hear the, the purpose in which they are living, those are the people that you surround yourself with. Not the people who are going to constantly talk down or cause doubt or bring negativity into your life. You don't, you don't want that. You don't need that. Surround yourself with people who make your baby leap. So that you can give birth to the plan and the purposes of God for your life. If you want to abort a promise, don't believe. Question it. Doubt it. Don't choose not to believe it. But if you want to give birth to the promise that God has put inside of you, get around faith and believe it. And then I want you to see this. 
This is the last scripture. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed. Listen to this. Because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believe the Lord would do what he said. You are blessed because you believe the Lord will do what he said he would do. Can I tell you, church, the reason why many of you are blessed is because you believed God. The reason why you walk in grace and confidence knowing you've been forgiven because you believe God. The reason why you've seen God's provision in your life time and time and time again, because you believed God. There's a young lady in in here, and I'm not going to say who, but I remember when my wife and I were walking with her in a very difficult time of her life, and my wife challenged her with something. She said, I want you to go and talk to God and tell God what you want. Tell God what you're asking for. She's like, I can do that? Yes. And she came back. He's answering my prayers. He's, it's like he was listening. He was listening to me the whole time. Can I just tell you, he's listening to you the whole time. And he wants to hear your prayers. Maybe you, you're dealing with loss in this season and you don't know how to get past it. He promised he'd be your comforter. Maybe you're dealing with lack and I don't have, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know if this is going to happen. Maybe you just need to talk to him because he's your provider. Pastor, I'm I'm full of guilt. I'm full of shame. He's the forgiver. But you have to believe that he is who he said he is. And he will fulfill his promises and you will get to enjoy the goodness of God even in the land of the living. Great is his faithfulness. But my question is, will you believe? Will you believe? You're hearing the same thing I'm hearing. You're hearing the same thing the person next to you is hearing. Will you believe it? Let me pray for you. Father, I speak over your people that they are blessed because they've believed you. They believe that all of the promises that you made to them are yes and amen. And under this, people in here who are celebrating because they've seen you answer and fulfill those, those answers, those prayers, those requests. And there's others who are still waiting. They're still looking, still believing. Great is your faithfulness to them. And I pray that they will see, they will see your faithfulness in the land of the living. They will see the answers of their their prayers because you are good. Father, I know that there's certain prayers that we ask that you you do answer, and the answer is no. There are other prayers that we pray, and the answer is not yet. And I pray for those who are in the season of the not yet. Give them grace. See the fulfillment. When you give a promise, that is the answer to our prayers. Give us the faith to believe it. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, if you're here this morning 
as I'm talking about the promises of God and God's faithfulness. Can I tell you something that he's promised to you, even if you're far away from him? That you can be born again. That you can become, you could become his child. You can have a fresh start. Your sins can be forgiven. Your guilt and your shame can be washed away. It's what he wants to give you. But what he asks of you is that you come and follow him. That's his request. He did everything. He simply asked you to follow him. And we like to say it here. Biblically speaking, we call this being born again. It is a fresh start. It is a new beginning. It is a new path. And we like to say it like this. It's as simple as ABC. A, you admit that he, admit what? That you're a sinner. That the sins in your life has separated you from a holy, sinless, pure, spotless God. But B, you believe that the solution to that was when he sent Jesus into the earth. And he fulfilled all of these promises. And when he died on that cross, his blood was shed for that sin. And see, you confess, confess that he is now Lord of your life, that he rose again from the dead on the third day to give you new life. And so that you can follow him and make him Lord of your life. So if that's you today, you say, Pastor, I want that in my life. I need that. I need to be born again. I want to follow him. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's nothing magical about the words I'm going to say. But through his grace and your willingness to follow, he's going to meet you right where you're at. And today is the beginning of a new life. So with no one looking around, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand if that's you. I want to acknowledge who I'm praying for and praying with. And all of us are going to pray together. So say these words with me. Repeat after me when I pray them. But one, two, three. That's me, Pastor. I want to be born again. I want you to lift up your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, man. Praise God. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Anyone else? Lift it high. Don't be ashamed. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Anyone else? You can put them down. You can put them down. Church family, let's pray these, these words out loud together to our fathers. These precious saints begin their new journey. Say these words with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross you died for my sin. You rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. I believe you faced hell so I would not have to. And you rose again from the dead on the third day to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with God the Father. So I turn away from my sin. 
I repent of my sin and I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you're my father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.